My name's Tommy, and uh, I'm the pastor here, and it is a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Uh, I may be like a little more passionate than normal today, and it's because I'm flying on Tuesday. And if you know me well, you know that uh, for me, flying is basically facing my death. And so because I know that, there may be a little more energy from me today. <laughs> I always feel that way. It's, I'm going to a pastor retreat in Denver, which will be, uh, although I, I don't really know what I'm going to, but it's something in Denver that's, I don't know, there's horses and mountains <laughs> and no internet and no phone. So deuces, everybody. Jones out. Can't get mad at me this week when I don't call you back. There really is a reason this time. Um, everyone doing good? Man, we've been through a long journey in this Multiply series. Like, we have covered a lot of stuff. Um, let, let me just kind of do a a little recap to get you to where we are now. We started off by saying that, um, that God creates this, this perfect world, that the plan was a perfect world where we would actually walk with God, unbroken access to his presence, un, unhindered access to his power, that we would just walk with God in the cool of the day. And that was the plan. And God said, listen, we're going to hang out together and it's going to be amazing and we're going to be, you're going to see me and I'm going to see you and it's going to be intense and um, incredible. One thing though, he said, there's one rule. You must believe that I am the moral judge of wrong and right. And in the sort of the illustration of that is God says there's this tree in the middle and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you cannot mess with that. You have to allow me to make the rules. You must believe that I will decide what is right and wrong. You can have anything in the world you want. But I'm asking you, I'm telling you, that I will be the moral judge. Don't eat the fruit from that tree. And what do you think people did? The fruit from the tree. So there's a water bottle now that you can crunch and it sounds like an apple. Y'all know that, students? It's awesome. Um, it's either here nor there. But, and so of course we ate from the fruit of the tree. And so then we were separated from God's presence. We were expelled from God's presence. And, and God is still in the world around us, but we're not experiencing his presence in the way you were meant to in the garden. And so it, it, it would appear as though God saw this coming because he had a plan. And so his plan is he raises up this one group of people, this, this nation of Israel, this holy nation. And he says, I'm going to set you people apart. You're going to be distinct and unique in the world. And from you... I'm going to raise up a Savior, a Messiah, that's going to fix what you broke. And so he raises up this holy group of people called the nation of Israel, the Israelites, or the Jewish people, and, and he gives them a tabernacle. Mm. You know you want to say it. Go ahead. Say it. Tabernacle. <laughs> Always feels so good, doesn't it? Tabernacle. Ah. And so he gives them this tabernacle, which is like, it's a portable garden of Eden. Because God says, through the tabernacle, I will make my presence with my people again. But there was like one billion rules about who could go in and who could not go in. Like we have one rule for you guys. It's be here at 1030. And for many of you, that's a struggle. For the tabernacle, there was a lot of rules. So it was very complicated. And so over time, God says, oh, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to take my presence where I'm, I'm with my people from a, from a portable structure to a stationary structure called, anyone remember? The temple, good job. And so he makes his presence known with his people in the temple. But God says, listen, at any point I can withdraw my presence from this place. And at some point that's exactly what God does and the temple crumbles and so that's not the solution. So then something incredible happens. In John 1 it says, the word of God, Jesus, becomes flesh and makes his dwelling among us. 
So God says, I'm going to give you my presence in the, in, through my son, the person of Jesus Christ. And so God is now present with his people again. And you can walk with him and you can, you can hear leaves crunching as Jesus walks and you can eat with him. And so God is once again present with his people. But it's not the fullness of the presence God wants his people to have because sin is still in the world and things are still messed up. And so one day, this is where we're going today. This is cool right here. One day Jesus is walking with his boys. And he turns to him and he has this conversation right here. And it's from John chapter 14, uh, verse 15. And Jesus says this. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate. And, and earlier in John, he says he will give you one like me. So I will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him or knows him. And I think this part is so cool. But you know him. He lives with you. But soon he will come and he will live in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live. You will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my father. And you are in me. And I am in you. And then he looked at his disciples and he said, any questions? And they all went. I got a question. You're going to live in me, and I'm going to live in you, and your father's going to I mean, what? Don't you think this is a little bit confusing? You're going to leave me, but you're not going to leave me. What Jesus was saying is, something's about to happen. Something special, something unique, something mysterious. And I'm not going to leave you. I will always be with you. I will never forsake you. But the world won't see it. But you will, because you know me. And soon our connection is going to change. And you have to trust me. You have to trust me. It's going to be different. But, but this part about you know, on, on that day you'll realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Don't you know they had questions about that? Listen, he's referring to something that we call the Trinity. And what we believe is, is that the Holy Spirit, and this is, this is complicated, I know, but we believe that the Holy Spirit is one with God, and, and Jesus the Son is one with God, and so it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and they're unique and distinct, but they're together, and they're one in their essence, and so to have the Son is to have the Father, and to have the Spirit is to have the Son, and so they are three in one, one God, a triune God, and that, that man, that's, that's a whole, we could spend months talking about how beautiful that is. It's a lot, but what I want you to know today is Jesus says something next that I think is so cool. In John 16, 7, a few chapters later, Jesus says, But very truly I tell you, for it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus has got these guys, and they have seen him do some incredible things, right? And Jesus says to him, it is good for you that I would go away. And don't you know they're thinking, I just don't know about that, Jesus, because we saw you make wine from water and that was good for us. And we saw you feed 5,000 people with one Captain D's meal deal and that was good for us. And we've seen you do a lot of things, Jesus. And so we're just a little confused about how you're saying it's going to be good for us that you're going away because quite frankly we're having a lot of fun while you're around this is a lamp by the way just doing a little rearranging let's just see here just plug this bad boy in boom that's better does everyone see my lamp 
Y'all seem nervous about this. You brought a friend and you're worried about where I'm going. And that's what happened, isn't it? It's just a dog lamp. But what I want you to understand is there's a reason that Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. And the reason Jesus said that was because, when, and I think this is so cool, and when, when, I, when I was writing this this week, I was so excited about this. So even if you're not, just act like you are. Like, when Jesus was with, with Jesus was on the earth, he was on the earth as a human, right? And humans are bound by space and time, Right? I mean, the only way I can be next to you physically is to physically be next to you if you're a person because we are bound by those sorts of things, just like my lamp here. The only way this lamp can produce light if it is plugged in to that outlet. So in order for this lamp to produce light, I must be somewhere close to this outlet, right? I mean, there's only so far I can go over here before it's going to unplug. And so... I am bound, if I want the light from this lamp, I have to stay relatively close to the outlet or I will not have it. Because when Jesus was on the earth, the only way to receive power from Jesus was to be personally present to a personal person, right? You had to be next to a human to receive the power from Jesus. If you were in you know, Detroit and Jesus was in Jerusalem, you weren't experiencing him because you had to be next to him. And so guys, I'm flying on Tuesday. And I'm going to be super nervous. But if I try to take my light with me, this is my security light, and I try to take it with me to the plane, let's say I even have enough extension cord to get to the airport. Like, if I had enough extension cord to get to the airport and I'm driving and I'm trucking, and then I get to the plane and I get on there and I'm sitting in my seat and I'm relaxing and I'm, you know, the, the steam towel, I won't have any of that, but it'd be, it looks fun for those of you who get that. Eventually someone's going to say, sir, you're going to have to unplug this lamp. There's an extension cord running from our plane back to your church, and we're a little suspicious about why that's there. Right? They're not going to let me do that. And so something had to change because Jesus wanted his people to go all these different places. And so this, 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 this. Check this out. Ah, yes, the connection had to change. And so there's a battery connected to this light. And so what God did, which I think is so incredibly brilliant, was tell his boys, I want you to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they're all like, okay, but we're connected to you. And if we all run different directions, it's not going to work. And he said, I'm giving you a light. I'm changing the connection. So God gave the Holy Spirit a portable power box so that we could go into the world and do the work of the Father without being next to Jesus. So instead of being personally next to a person in the flesh, we are now indwelt with a spiritual person who gives us the power to go and do anything we need to do anywhere in the world at any time because we have the power of the Holy Spirit connected to us. Amen. I love it, man. It's so different. And it's so simple, but it's so beautiful that he said, all right, listen, now I'm sending you everywhere. We can go. You can be over there. You can be out there. I can be on the plane. If someone gets up that I don't trust and tries to use the bathroom, I can put this light in their eyes. Sit back down. Land over there. I'm going to direct it. <laughs> and it goes red. That doesn't have anything to do with the sermon, but it is a cool feature. <laughs> if you need it. 
don't know, man. It's cool to me. It's just cool to me that God changed the method of connection so that we might better connect the world to God. How smart is our God? How beautiful is our God? He said, no, 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 you don't understand. It's going to be better for you because I'm going to change the way you're connected to me. And where you go, I will go. And where you are, the Father is. And where you are, the Son is. Because we're three in one. And so you're going to have untethered access to Jesus and unhindered access to power. And you will experience the presence of God everywhere, all the time. That sounds a little bit more like Eden, doesn't it? Beautiful. And I think most of us are like, yeah, that's good. I want that. Like, but... When the Holy Spirit shows up, He doesn't just give you power. There's some other things He does, so you've got to make sure you really want Him before you ask for Him. In the next verse in John, I think it's 14 or 16, 8, He says, When He comes, He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can no longer see me. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Keep that one up there for me. I think this is so cool. He's going he's gonna to do some things. He's going to prove the world to be wrong about sin. What's that mean? Here's what it means. Have you ever realized you were doing something wrong? Just raise your hand. I felt like this would be 100%. Like this should be the one. Okay. All right. So if you realized you were doing something wrong, do you know why you realized you were doing something wrong? The Holy Spirit. He is the one who alerts you of sin in your life. Even before you have Jesus, the Holy Spirit is pursuing and making people aware through what's known as provenient grace or grace that chases and pursues. He's making you aware of the sin in your life before you even know about the sin in your life. And so the reason you know your life was messed up wasn't because you just woke up one day and said, wow, I'm now suddenly more intelligent than I've ever been before. It's because the Holy Spirit turned that light on for you. Next one he says about righteousness. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, resurrected from the grave, and ascended to heaven, you only believe that because the Holy Spirit turned that light on in your brain. This is why Christians should not be cocky. This is why Christians should be pleasant people. Because we didn't one day go, well, I'm smarter than everybody else, and I believe this. The Holy Spirit said, let me illuminate something for you, and we went, it's true. And we believed it. Because the Holy Spirit opened our hearts. So far, who's the hero of this story? Jesus. And then he says about judgment. He says, prove the world wrong about righteousness and judgment. What is the original sin? The sin that happened in the garden. It was us thinking we should be the judge of right and wrong. Good thing Christians don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the sin. And so through the Holy Spirit, we become aware that God is the good and righteous judge, not us. We become aware of who should really be in charge, who should be judging, and who should not be judging. Through the Holy Spirit, we become aware that God is the moral compass for the world, not us. And so where the Holy Spirit goes, people are changed. We become aware of sin. We become aware of righteousness. We become aware of judgment. And I think it's so neat as you read the stories about the Holy Spirit and the disciples 
What you don't see is when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, them asking questions. I think they should be asking questions because a lot of it doesn't make sense. But they didn't. They did ask questions when Jesus said, I'm going to die. I'm going away. And they were like, no, you're not. And Jesus was like, y'all don't get it. But when he talked about the Holy Spirit, they seemed to believe this. And the reason is, is because the Old Testament is full of prophecies about Jesus. But it's also got prophecies about the Holy Spirit. Listen to Ezekiel 36, 24. This is a prophet named Ezekiel talking to the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And he says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit, capital S, that's a proper noun. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So he's saying to the nation of Israel, this is 600 years before Jesus Christ. He's saying, I'm going to give you new hearts. I'm going to bring life where there is death. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to give you new power. I'm going to give you a portable power source so that you might go into the world and light it up. And then it happened on Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were singing, where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's pretty cool stuff, right? The Spirit comes and their impurities are cleansed. Their hearts are changed. And these men who had been hiding are now full of this power and they go in the world and they live different and they begin to tell people about Jesus. But there was a reason the Holy Spirit came to them. There was a reason the Holy Spirit would be inside of them. And it wasn't just so they would sit in the room and talk to each other. And it wasn't just so they would sit in the room and study the Bible together. It was so that they would go and do what Christ created them to do. It was so that they would go and live as, as light in the world and that people would see them. And 2,600 years later, which is where we are now, the reason is still the same. The reason we have the Holy Spirit is so that we might live Spirit-filled lives. I think for too many people, we're looking for the wrong reasons. We're looking for the wrong evidence. Like we read that and we're like, man, they spoke in tongues? Wow, that's cool. Or maybe you read the story in Acts and... These guys go around and they heal the sick and cast out demons. And you're like, man, I want to do that. That'd be fun. I can promise you this. If God comes to me one day and says, Tommy, today I'm taking you to a funeral home, but you will not be doing funerals. You will be raising dead people and be like, I am in. Let's do that right now. I cannot wait for that particular thing to happen. Hey, come on. I'll do it, man. You, that would be awesome. But God hasn't told me to do that. I don't, could he? Yes. Could God give us, God can give any gift he wants to, tongues or, or healing the sick or casting out demons. But if those are the things you're searching for to, as evidence of the Holy Spirit, then I think you're searching in the wrong box. If those are the things you're waiting for because you want the Holy Spirit, then you're waiting for the wrong things because I think it's something bigger and something better. I think maybe we see people who are, you know, just super emotional in worship all the time. And we're like, man, that person must be full of the Spirit. 
Maybe. But emotional experience is not the only thing that makes you full of the Spirit. I mean, there's more to it than that. And the reason we have to understand this, the reason we have to understand... Now, can, can we, we should occasionally have emotional experiences, yes. But we have to understand the reasons for the Holy Spirit, and we have to understand the right evidence. Otherwise, we make two mistakes. And here's the two mistakes we make. And then we'll talk in a minute about what we should really be searching for. The first mistake we make is this. We tell people we can't serve in certain aspects because we're not gifted in that area. You know, people, man, I sure wish I could, I sure wish I could greet at the door, but I'm not gifted in waving. I sure wish I could bake a pie for that festival, but I'm not gifted in baking. I sure wish I could give, but the spirit of giving hasn't made me generous yet. I sure wish I could do blah, 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 but I haven't been gifted in that area, and so I can't do that thing yet. It's not true. Now, there are certain giftings, and you're more comfortable in certain areas, but the Spirit doesn't just want you to do the things you're comfortable in. He wants you to push you into areas where you're a little nervous and a little uncomfortable. I'm about to get on an airplane. Like, come on. He wants you to do things that aren't always comfortable and that do make, and quit hiding behind this. I'm not gifted in that area. You made that up. That's not right. And the second thing is this. If you don't understand the reason and the evidence of the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to just chase experience and emotion. You will just, we want to go and we want to conjure the Holy Spirit up. Like, oh, where is he? You know, we want to just make these big fake emotional experiences or, or we want to do things only when we feel it. You know, I mean, you know, tell somebody to do something that's clearly in the Bible and they're like, man, I'm just waiting for God to speak to me on that because I want to feel it. You know, I'm like, that is the worst thing in the world. We're chasing feelings and emotion. What we should be chasing is lost souls. What we should be experiencing is the glory of God, and then you will get your feelings and emotions. But you cannot chase the feeling. You must chase the person, experience Christ, and you will have the feeling. But if you're chasing the feeling, not the commission, then you're experiencing a high that cheapens the real one. The real one is better. Chasing the wrong things. And so, yeah, maybe that person can pray with eloquent words or something. And maybe that person, you know, is super emotional. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. Maybe that person has some unique gift of the Holy Spirit that you wish you had. But there's more. Galatians 5.19 The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let's keep step with the spirit you want to experience the holy spirit chase kindness goodness love self-control 
Like suffer well with people. You want to find someone who's full of the Spirit? It may not be the most emotional person. It may not be the person who worships outwardly the most. It may be someone like Kristen Maine, who's behind the scenes loving and laying down her life and sacrificing. We are looking for the Spirit in some of the wrong places. The Spirit makes us kind in the world. Like You, you, want, to, you want to be for the Spirit? I'm glad you're singing in your car. You're even singing oceans, and we all love oceans. And that's good. But now be kind when you talk to the lady at the cafe. Now be generous. Now be gentle. Now use self-control on social media. I don't know, God. Come on, man. Like the gifts, the gifts of the spirit, those things are great for building up the body, but the fruits of the spirit will win the world. The fruits of the spirit is what they will see and go, man, I want to hang out with those people. I want to be with those people. Those people are kind and gentle and they're loving and they're full of joy. And like they'll lay down their life for me. That is what attracts the world to us. That is how the spirit works through us to introduce the world to Christ. You want to chase something? Chase being nice. Chase not saying everything you think. That, that's not a gift. My gift is saying everything I think. Pop! Good day, sir. Hit you with a glove. That's not a gift. That's just being annoying. Can y'all imagine? Just imagine this. Imagine an army of people. How many people we got? We got 300 people in this room right now? It looks like 300 people. Imagine 300 people convicted of their own sin. 300 people who believe deeply in the righteousness of Christ. 300 people who believe that God alone should judge. 300 people who are kind and gentle and full of joy. Where they go, they bring peace. Where they go, they suffer well with people. They love the ones the world won't. They go where the world won't go. They lay down their lives even when they disagree with the people they're laying down their life for. You give me 300 of those, we'll change the world. Look for the Spirit where the Spirit is. Man, I... It's, it's my dream. It's my dream for my life. It's my dream for this church that we would be a light in the world that looks different. Spirit, lead us.